Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can. For only $3 a month at patreon.com slash Canada EHX. Every dollar you give helps keep the podcast going. Today on the show, I'm looking at one of the most important Indigenous individuals during the 18th century of Canada, Macaque. She is known for ensuring friendly relations between Europeans and the Indigenous of Labrador, and is one of the first Inuit to appear in recorded history. There's quite a few indigenous names here, and I do apologize if I mispronounce any. So let's look at her fascinating life. Born around 1740 in what would one day be Labrador, Macaque would enter the history books when she was 24, thanks to a man by the name of Jens Haven. Haven, who was Danish, was in Greenland when he learned about a man named Dr. Johan Erdhart, who had been killed by a band of Inuit off the coast of Labrador. Haven used this as a reason to travel to Labrador and preach the gospel to the indigenous there. He had returned from Greenland to England in 1764 and was given permission to go to the British base at Chateau Bay to begin preaching to the Inuit. He would arrive in 1765 and while preaching, a storm came up and stranded him. He was able to take refuge in the tent of an Inuit spiritual leader and with the leader was a woman named Macaque. Macaque was interested in the Europeans and their stories and she would memorize a prayer taught to her by Larson Drashkoff, who was with Haven when the storm came. The missionaries would move on, and it would be two years before Macaque would have another encounter with Europeans. In 1767, a fishing village owned by Nicholas Darby was raided by the Inuit, and several boats were captured. The British responded by sending a group of men from Fort York, who then killed all the men in the raiding party and took the women and children as prisoners. In all, it's estimated at least 20 men were killed by the English. Macaque was one of the individuals captured, along with her son. Taken to Chateau Bay, she was held there through the winter, and while there she began to learn English and converse with Francis Lucas, the second-in-command of the garrison there. She quickly learned English and then taught Lucas words in her own language. It is believed she did this to help make future trade agreements easier between her people and the Europeans. Macaque also impressed Hugh Palliser, the governor of Newfoundland, with her knowledge, and he quickly saw that she could be a tool for creating friendly relations between Europeans and the Inuit. As spring came, Lucas was ordered to take Macaque, her son, Tutuak, and another boy named Carpic back to England. The intention of this was to show the indigenous European society and how advanced it was, and it was believed, upon the return of Macaque to North America, 
that it would make the Inuit more receptive to trading with the Europeans. Macaque would meet several aristocrats in England and the royal family. John Russell would paint her portrait there, and the portrait would be exhibited at the Royal Academy of Arts. In England, Macaque became friends with Augusta, Dowager Princess of Wales, and their friendship would continue for many years, with the two exchanging gifts after Macaque went back to Labrador. While in England, she would meet Jens Haven again, and she urged the cause of the Moravians to aristocrats who were looking to settle in North America. Thanks to her efforts, the Moravians received their grant in May of 1769. The Moravians exist today and are one of the oldest Protestant denominations in the world, dating back to their roots of the Bohemian Reformation of the 15th century. They had established a mission in 1751 in Labrador, founding the first Moravian station in Labrador, and calling it Hopedale or Valley of Hope. Four missionaries began to build a log house, dig the gardens, and get things ready while Johann Erdart, the ship's captain that I had already mentioned, and five other companions left to trade with the Inuit in the north. The group never returned. The remaining members of the settlement abandoned the site and went back to Europe. During her time in England, Macaque would meet many important individuals. The Earl of Bathurst would speak of her the following. There is so much to be said in relation to the Eskimo lady that I shan't be able to go through it. She has an admirable understanding. She has been twice with the princess, who is as fond of her as I am. Twice she has dined with me, and though I had very good dinners, she would eat nothing but salmon. The Earl would relate the gift of the famous gown to her and a relationship with the princess. He finished off his account as follows. They are all to be sent back in May, and it is hoped that they may assist in making some treaty with those people and open a trade for whale fishing. While in London, Macaque lived in the home of Francis Lucas and Jens Haven would visit her frequently in the hopes of obtaining that mission among the Inuit. In the summer of 1769, Macaque would return with her son to Labrador with Lucas, while Carpic remained in England. While Inuit had traveled to Europe before, Macaque and her son were the first to return from Europe. Sadly, Carpic died of smallpox soon after Macaque and her son left. Once back in Labrador, she told the other indigenous about the Europeans and their society. Thanks to her stories of England, the Inuit would let the Moravians settle in Labrador in 1770 after receiving their grant of 100,000 acres of land. When the Moravians arrived, they were greeted by Macaque, who was wearing the dress given to her by the Princess of Wales as a sign of diplomacy. Her new husband, Tuglavina, was with her, wearing a white woolen coat, and the encounter went well. Tuglavina was an agacock, which held great weight among the Inuit. The Moravians respected Tuglavina for his intelligence and courage, but also feared him for what they called his turbulent spirit. They also said that her husband is very fond of her and extremely cautious not to leave her alone with the Europeans. Macaque appears to be a great lady among the Inuit. Macaque is said to have told the Moravians when they asked how they would be received by the Inuit the following. You will see how well we will behave if you will only come. We will love you as our countrymen, and trade with you justly, and treat you kindly. The Moravians were still skeptical, though, of the welcoming of Macaque, and wanted proof that they would not be robbed or murdered by the Inuit. They were said to have told her, I must tell you that if your country people attempt to steal, murder, or do us any mischief, our captain, who you see here, will not let it pass unpunished, but will make use of our guns in his and our defenses. This insulted Macaque, and she said they would not be harmed. When the Moravians said that the Inuit were known for killing and stealing, 
Macaque said that the Europeans were known for the same thing. In the relation of the meeting, her irritation was evident, as explained in this recounting. She was not pleased that we had such bad thoughts of her country people, whom she assured us loved us, and would rejoice at our living among them, and their behavior would be such as to give us no cause to alter our determination to come and settle here another year. Nurking Oak, Macaque's father, arrived in a kayak during the meeting at Byron's Bay after the arrival of the Moravians. He told them that his daughter's name was now Nutterak, which meant changed or newborn, because she was so different after her return from Europe. Macaque and her husband agreed to be guides for the Moravians and helped find a good spot to settle. Macaque also told her people that the Moravians intended to live among them and that they should be welcomed. As the group traveled, the Moravians preached to the Inuit they encountered, meetings that Macaque organized. It is known without a doubt that if not for Macaque, the Moravians would not have been accepted to the extent that they were. On August 4, 1771, the Moravians returned to England with five fox pelts that were to be given to the Princess of Wales and others from Macaque. Later in 1771, a group of 14 Moravians returned to Labrador to remain for good and built the settlement of Nain. The Moravians also sought the consent of the Inuit to have their settlement there, and a gift was made to each family. A document was also drawn up with the leading Inuit making marks opposite their names to detail their acceptance. Reverend Drakhart, who was with the Moravians, related to the Inuit. In time to come, when yourselves or your children shall learn to read and write as the Greenlanders do, they will be able to read these names, and they will remember what they have just now seen and heard. The Moravians would buy fishing equipment and other tools from the Inuit, and the Inuit were quick to adopt the useful technologies of the Europeans for some tasks. Even with the help, the Moravians still showed distrust towards Macaque. They had described as being on their guard and, in their words, having a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. Once the settlement had been established, Macaque and her husband returned to living the traditional Inuit life. In January 1773, two Moravians named Schneider and Turner went to the island of Nintok, about five and a half hours north from Nain, to visit Macaque. They found her there in two large houses, each which contained 20 people, and Macaque gave them an apartment within one of those houses. Later, in 1773, Macaque would return to the Moravians and told them that her husband had stolen another man's wife and ran off with her. The Moravians were upset by this, but they also equally blamed Macaque for the actions of her husband. For some reason, the Moravians maintained a good relationship with Tuglavina, but fell out with Macaque. The Moravians would baptize Tuglavina, but would not baptize Macaque despite several trips to Nain in the hopes of being baptized. The Moravians had hoped that Macaque would remain at their mission, but she did not want to live there, and she and her family would trade with other nearby traders, not just the Moravians. Also in 1773, she would learn of the death of the Princess of Wales and stated that she no longer desired to go back to England. In 1774, she returned to Nain with her husband and her new son, with both Macaque and Tuglavina looking to convert to Christianity. Tuglavina would then leave Macaque soon after for another woman, then do so again in 1775. The Moravians would initially state they would have nothing to do with Tuglavina, but would then welcome him back each time he returned. Eventually, Macaque had enough, and after Tuglavina had left her three times, she formed a partnership with a man named Pualo, who was the husband of the wife stolen by Tuglavina. 
During the next few years, Macaque and Poilo lived a traditional life and would visit Nain occasionally. As for Macaque, James Hutton, the leader of the Moravians in England, would speak out against Macaque for her earlier visit and criticized her for what he saw as a scandalous life. He would say that her trip to England made her worse than before, saying, She is prouder, more wretched, and miserable than she was before. Less contented with the station she must however submit to, and less fit to enjoy the future, what other Esquimaux call enjoyment of life. In 1779, Macaque and several other families decided not to relocate for the winter because they had a good supply of meat. Unfortunately, wolves got into the supply and the Inuit were left with little to eat. In January, a man arrived at Nain and told them about the starving families. The Moravians then sent out two sleds to retrieve the families in February 1780. The next winter, Macaque and Hualo were going to return to the traditional hunting grounds, but were convinced to stay with the Moravians instead. Macaque stayed in the hopes her family would be baptized. The Moravians recorded the following about her desire to convert to Christianity. Macaque, who always speaks for her husband, gave us to understand that her whole family was desirous to obtain the knowledge of our Savior, which was the reason they wintered here. They desire also to be among the candidates for baptism. After she had talked a good while, she was asked whether she believed in her own mind that she was quite corrupt and good for nothing. She said, after a little pause, I do not know myself, and therefore I do not know. We were much pleased with this upright answer, for else the Esquimaux like to speak what they think will please us. In the winter, Poilo and her two sons were baptized, with Poilo taking the name Abraham. But once again, Macaque was not baptized. In February 1781, she and her family would leave Maine. Feeling that she had been denied by the Moravians, she chose to distance herself from them, and she would go south to trade with the Europeans at the Chateau Bay. This was an act of defiance aimed at the Moravians, who strongly discouraged the Inuit from going south. Macaque and Prolo would return to Nain the next year, and Prolo asked the Moravians to baptize Macaque, feeling they would help trade negotiations. The Moravians rejected the request, and the family left Nain again. The Moravians recorded the request as follows, stating that Prolo has lost all grace which was to be received in him some time ago, and all his thoughts are taken up with the Europeans that live south. In the summer of 1783, Macaque and her family left for Chateau Bay with 180 other Inuit against the wishes of the Moravians. The trip was difficult, and many would die from diseases. Poilo would be one of those who died, likely from infection. Not much is known about the final years of Macaque, but she would only return to Nain once more in September of 1795 and was in poor health. She expressed her desire to be baptized before she died, and the Moravians finally agreed to do so. She would die in October of 1795 under the care of the Moravian missionaries. In their epitaph dedicated to her life, the Moravians would say the following. In the last ten days of her life, she spent at Nain. Immediately on her arrival, being very ill, she sent to Brother Burghardt, to request assistance and advice. He found her extremely weak, hardly able to speak, and apparently without hopes of recovery. In the epitaph, Brother Burghardt spoke to her about the state of her soul and advised her to turn to Jesus. She is said to have responded, Ah, I have behaved very bad, and am grieved on the account, but what shall I do? I cannot find Jesus again. The epitaph continues, 
She departed this life October 1st, 1795, and was buried in our burying ground. We trust in our Savior's mercy that he has also found this poor straying sheep. In 1824, a Methodist missionary named Reverend Thomas Hickson would come across two Inuit at Hamilton Inlet. The Inuit were there with their wives, and the older man was Tutak, the son of Macaque. His wife wore the golden gown that Macaque had worn so many years before, and Tutak bore the name Palliser after the Newfoundland governor who had befriended his family. Hickson stated, I found that two of them, father and son, had each of them two concubines. It is not difficult to convince them of the evil of their doings, and though it was generally supposed that the senior adulterer would have parted with his life rather than give up the other concubines, the Lord applied what was spoken to his conscience, which caused him to tremble exceedingly, and he expressed his willingness to act in any way that I should direct. The person was taken by Captain Palliser to England about 45 years ago, with his mother, who had a gown presented by the Queen. This gown, richly trimmed with gold and very fresh, was worn by one of the women. The man bears the name of the above-mentioned captain who took him. In 1870, it is said that pieces of the gown were still in the possession of Macaque's grandson. In 2011, Macaque was designated as a person of national historic significance, and her designation reads, A charismatic and resourceful woman, she exemplified Inuit self-determination, political ability, and economic control at the time of cultural transition. I hope you enjoyed that episode that looked at the history of Macaque, and if you did, please leave a rating and review. You can reach me at craig at canadaehx.ca. You can visit my website where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to canadaehx.ca. And again, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash canadaehx. Just like all of these wonderful patrons have. Aaron O'Hara, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roa, Luke S., Vic Hedges, J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, Spencer M., and Iris Gray. Information comes from the Canadian Encyclopedia, Canada's History, Biography.ca, SAIT, Wikipedia, Nudisiac News, Labrador Cura, Labrador Life, Newfoundland and Labrador History, Labrador, Its Discovery, Exploration, and Development, the Moravians in Labrador, and Parks Canada. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.